Welcome back to another episode of the Off the Dome podcast. Hope all is well with you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Brain Fuel. I want to shout out to my sponsor, Brain Fuel, for the great work they've done. And I'm going to be talking about uh, more about the Brainfield product after this episode on social media and in general. Uh, but uh, let's have a great episode. I'm here with uh, my guy, the co-host of Those Millennials podcast, uh, Jarrell Wilkerson. Jarrell, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, man. I appreciate you having me on again, man. I, you know, you know, I love everything you guys do. I listen to you guys. I appreciate the weekend drops, especially when you and Jordan. As soon as like, it's like right when I'm getting my car, like I have a routine. I go get my coffee. So like right when I get my coffee, I throw you guys on. So, wow, that means a lot. I, I yeah. never hear that from anybody. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's in my routine now. When you guys drop on the weekends, as soon as I'm getting my coffee, man, I, I cut you guys on and get you guys in, 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 my, in, my, in my podcast. We can't catch up. Nice, nice. What time do you uh, wake up to uh, listen to the podcast and on your Saturday drive or whatever? Uh, it's usually about eight o'clock, seven eight o'clock in the morning. Like once I oh, see it, yeah, I'm an early bird. I, I'm 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 a never I never sleep. Like my definition of sleeping in is eight o'clock. So <laughs> really, yeah, I, I can never sleep in. I'm up early. I'm like five a.m. Like I'm a five a.m. guy. Even after a long work week, you. Just want to you, you get up at like 8 a.m. You sleep your quote unquote sleep in times 8 a.m. Yeah, my body's just my body clock's too messed up. So it's like, you know, it's like yeah, I wake up as I'm going, which I kind of like because I don't like really sleeping in, wasting my day sleeping. So I kind of wake up while, you know, catch up on movies and podcasts. and I like it. Well, you catch up on movies uh, then on a Saturday. Yep. Good call. Yeah, I, I like we're just chilling, watching movies on Saturdays, too. So I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> that's definitely my go-to yeah yeah absolutely so i want to so so i guess we're going to be talking about two of your um america's favorite bandwagon <laughs> so you're a lakers yankees and cowboys fan today we're only going to be talking about lakers and cowboys i'll talk about one of the one of the first one of the three all-american bandwagon teams first the los angeles lakers who i'm actually a fan of so <laughs> lebron james just signed a two-year uh, 40 um, which is a total of i believe 97 million dollars and that keeps him in until 24 25 season two years 97 million uh this deal will keep him from 24 25 and if this does have a no trade clause but his contract does include a 15% trade kicker, which combined with the starting salary of $46.7 million. And he's surpassed. He's now the highest paid player of all time. And that's no surprise there. And he does have the, op- the player option to leave after the 24-25 season, depending on what Bronny does. Now, there's a lot of things we can interpret by on this contract extension. But what was your big takeaway when he signed this contract, like a couple months after the season ended, I was shocked by the timing of it. I knew he eventually would sign it, but what was your take on it? Were you surprised by this extension? And what does this mean for the Lakers? Like sort of going forward. Um, you know, I think overall, when I first heard about the contract extension, I was, if I'm being honest, I was taken aback a little bit because I didn't expect him to sign it so soon. I expected it to get done. I, but looking at the landscape of everything that's involved, like if you see how Kevin Durant's getting 
put through the ringer. If you see how, uh, like, I don't think LeBron wants to go through another media circus of another free agency. I think he's past that at this point. I think he knows his best bet, even though, like, we may not like how the front office is. His front, that front office is, quote, unquote, maybe in bed with clutch. So he knows that maybe this is this, this is his best. This is his best option to keep that in hand. And I, I think that he's more accepted that this is going to be a legacy, like a, a legacy show where he's going to break Kareem's record. He's now the highest paid player, NBA player, grossest player of all time. I just think that the timing of it is a little off, but I think that more so maybe this was a message to front office to say, hey, stop sitting on those picks. You, you So do you think there may be – I interpret it as one of two things. The first one was I think maybe he had like a deal that nobody had written about saying I will sign long-term the, my, the remaining a two-year extension if you promise to build a championship caliber or a team around me. Maybe that, that was one of them. And the other one is either that or he's just – I feel like this is the first time in – watching LeBron and just knowing like what he is as a basketball player. I feel like this is the first time I can actually say he's content. Like mm-hmm. he's done everything he could in his career, like being in LA yet he won the championship and obviously he still wants to win a ring. And I hope he wants to win a ring, another ring for the, for our Lakers. But I feel like it's, he's just very content with where he's at. His sons are playing at Sierra Canyon. His family loves LA. He, his entertainment company is killing it right now. And things are going very well without in LA for him. I interpreted it as those two things. Either he said the off front office, get better. I'm not, I don't have a no spring trick in. I have maybe one to two more years left of my prime left, or at least in the back half of my prime left. And also he just like loves being in Los Angeles. Until the time where Bronny gets drafted by another team in the league, he obviously will go to that team. But that was my interpretations. Was I kind of spot on with that? Yeah, I can see your point. You know, like I think LeBron right now, like from my outside looking in, I think he just accepted of his superstar status. Where, yeah, winning a championship is the goal, but it's not going to define his career. You know, like, like it's not like he can't add – any more to his career than it's already been added, even if he wins another championship. I don't think he's going to make or break his career at this point. So I think that he's satisfied with being a superstar. And then what biggest, what better place? I mean, he already said at one point that they, he considered Madison Square Garden and the Knicks horrid franchise of a, of a, of a, of a, you know, turmoil franchise that's been. He considered them. So I just think that right now he's considered, he's content on being a superstar. He's, Got his kid in L.A., got the house in L.A. He got the Spring Hill uh, a movie production company that he has. His ventures, his life pretty much is based out of L.A. So I just think that the timing, it just kind of works out. And I think that he's given the the good the, the good faith in the Lakers with this contract more so than him believing that they're going to win a championship. I think this contract is more showing that, hey, I got faith in the front office to do something else again. So here I'm I'm in now. Three years. Me and AD gonna be together now. Let's figure something out. I mean, he does want to win. This is like a win now sort of thing. And this was kind of with the intention of 
get me some more help. Do you think that help is going to come? Honestly, do you think this help is going to come before the season, even with, or you don't think so? I talked to, I talked to a source earlier today, pretty, this is, I don't talk to the source unless I'm, unless I'm trying to get some information. And, 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 and we spoke about the Lakers and he always, he's a, he's a gambling guy. And, and, and he always, he was, he just says that I don't, he said that he doesn't think a move is going to happen until the trade deadline. He uh-huh. thinks that he thinks that this team is going to come back in as is. And he thinks Brooklyn going to come back in as is. He's saying, let's barring some drastic move and swing of events. He sees them coming in as is. He's, he don't think that he said, but that he do think that they're willing to be aggressive at the deadline for a multitude of players because they think that this is not going to be your average deadline. It's going to be a lot of players he thinks going to possibly move at the deadline because it's been such a, it's been such a quiet, really offseason. Like nothing, other than the Kevin Durant like hoopla that's almost becoming nothing in the end of it, apparently. This offseason has been kind of dry, other than the Gobert trade, which was and, five first round picks and three rotational players. It, it's like, it's become not paint dry pretty much. Like Jalen Brunson and Rudy Gobert were your biggest two moves this offseason. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah, so, so I don't know how much, you know, like, so, you know, from what I heard, like I say, he expected a big, a big possible trade deadline, uh, this deadline, because teams are are, are also going to be gearing up for dumping salary and, and whatever. I just, I mean, and also you're going to kind of have teams like Indiana, like Indiana is going to be a prime candidate for a trade because if they're going to bring back miles on an expiring yeah, they got Buddy for two more years, but they also have Chris Duarte, who's a better player and defender, who's going to be a better player and defender than Buddy. Yeah. Not a better shooter by now. And I, and so you're going to have teams like that with, with frisky players that you can go get. I'm assuming that's why they haven't traded the picks. I don't know. It's just it's it's kind of it's confusing to me. So you don't think that they're at least going to make a move for either the Jazz? I heard some rumblings of that, like reading it. Or the Pacers, you think they're just going to wait that till trade deadline? It just depends on if – it all depends on the move. So if we're holding the picks and I got to see the move, like at this point, I don't even know if the two picks for Russ, for Kyrie, that doesn't make – I mean, it makes us better and exciting that we'll win maybe 45 games and be a six seed. But it doesn't knock us off the world to win a championship next year with the way the teams are coming back next year. So, like, even then, I kind of want to see a, a few moves. I want to see another shooter, you know, and I want to see, I don't know, some some kind of creator. I don't know who the creator is. I don't know. It can't be Russ. So I needed some kind of third banana to get me 15 to 16 points a game. Fair enough. Now I want to talk about the Brooklyn Nets. And obviously you've heard before we get into that, the Lakers did offer the two first round picks, but the Nets immediately declined. So I think, and they want win now players for Kyrie Irving. And unfortunately that's, I can see it as that. And there's not interested and the Lakers maybe have to get a third team, or I just think they're willing to just wait on Kevin Durant. That's pretty much what my takeaway was. You know, we've been talking about this for, for like the past few weeks, and and I've been chewing on this. Like, I just really don't know 
how Joe Sy can come back and just put his GM and head coach in this predicament. Like, i rather have a 40-win team that wants to wear the Brooklyn Nets jersey because there's only so many jobs in the NBA, you right. know? So there's only so many positions. So somebody's going to be appreciative of wearing the Nets uniform. Somebody, somebody, you know? Like, um, I would rather have 11 guys who want to be in a Nets uniform than those two guys. I don't give a damn. Who they wow. Are. So not take. Like I just would rather it just I, I like I guess I'm a culture guy when you've watched over the years teams like San Antonio, Miami, you know, I you I you just see culture, you see this, and it just it it's it's not even worth it. It's not even worth it to even so you mean to tell me you rather just demean your coach, not even demean your coach because what you're doing is supporting them. It's not it's not his fault that they that Kevin Durant acts with a trade, but you're gonna Run this out there, and it's gonna be a show. Cause what happens when Steve Nash lose three games? What happens when when uh, um they get injured or Kyrie Irving doesn't want to fill? You know, like there's a bunch of things that could go wrong, and I don't think that anybody signed up for that. So as if I'm Joe Sy, out of respect for Sean Marks and Steve Nash, I would get rid of them both for the best deal I could find, whether it be Jalen Brown. If Jalen Brown's on the contract, he wants to be a net, I'll win 43 games and then and, and take that. I'll take that over just – even if I'm a Nets fan, I would rather have Jalen Brown, who wants to be here, than Kevin Durant, who doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very – this this is going to be very tough drama for both for both these teams, Lakers and Nets, with the Westbrook thing, how Westbrook publicly knows that they're trying to move off him. And Steve Nash, for his sake, is going to be feeling awkward that the reports are that KD wanted him out. Like, that's – these are two PR blunders of for the going into this offseason, going into this season, I would say. I think that – this the PR of it, especially for the Nets. Like, you know, the Nets and I mean the Lakers with Russell Westbrook is, is more of a different situation where I think Russ, I think Russ acknowledges to a degree that he had a bad season. Maybe that's why he hasn't asked for a for a trade. Because the smoke has been so loud, right. you know, you you can smell it a mile away. So, you know, and in order to make things toxic, all you have to say is get me out of here and make it a scene. So I think that the Nets are in a worse situation because it just, you invested so much. And I, I don't say, I, I don't even think when, when Katie, when if Katie were to return with Kyrie, like that team will be good. Yes. But I don't know if it's better than the Sixers, Bucks or Nets. Yeah. I mean, they would be a top four seed in the East. I would say I would take Milwaukee over, over Brooklyn I would take Sixers for sure. And I think it's between them and Miami for the three and four seed. But I think – what? I said, I didn't even mention Miami. I forgot about Miami. But so, yeah, it, it, oh, Boston. Forgot about Boston too. Boston, Miami. Yeah, they'd be a fourth or fifth seed. I keep – shouldn't have forgotten the Eastern Conference champs. There's just so many great teams in the league nowadays. But, yeah, no, there would be a four or fifth seed. The East is tough. So – uh, anybody from the from those teams could win. I would I could see. Yeah, and that and that's my only thing is that you can build a good team even how it is constructed. But even like I said, it's just the over the longevity of what's going to happen. 
I don't know if Joe Sai is. I mean, yeah, maybe they are making the right move by waiting it out, but you, I don't know if you're doing the best basketball decision for your locker room. Yeah, I would agree with you on that one. Now, I want to talk about uh, something pretty serious about the Deshaun Watson, uh, what happened. So, originally, it was five games where he got suspended. And then the NFL wanted to reappeal it. And maybe there was a report or two that they wanted to do a full season suspension for Deshaun Watson. I believe it was confirmed. I'm not 100% sure. But eventually, there were, it, he got suspended for 11 games and got fined $5 million. And throughout the offseason, he was remained defiant about what he did not – what he – he is saying that he did not do, but he also maybe was sounded a little, I want to say remorseful last week in like an interview with the Browns uh, inner in-house interview person where he says he's regretful for his actions, but he had so he was contradicting himself. He should just stop talking him and his PR team just fumbled the bag completely I mean, he said he can't just stand there with one with on one hand and say, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm innocent. And then he apologizes mainly just because he wants he knows he's going to get suspended, but wants a lesser suspension for it. And this is just the most contradictory statements I've heard in a long time. What was your makeup of this? And. Do you think the NFL at least got it right with the 11 games, or you think it should be like a full season? Because I, I personally think it should be a full season. I mean, I said previously before on the podcast that I thought it should be a full season. It, and you know what? I just think whoever's coaching them up is doing them just a disservice. Like, who you are the highest-paid quarterback in the history of the NFL. Yeah. Because the Cleveland Browns decided that they were going to give you that bag. How do you not have a PR company – somebody coaching you up to sound better than a guilty idiot that you already look like. You you look like a fucking idiot already, despite the fact of all the transgressions that you've done to the women that you've hurt. So, like, the fact that the judge um, uh, already proved that, like, he was a, she, that his, you know, she determined his actions were, like, very, like, disturbing, she basically said. I don't know, like, I didn't even have the owner come out about it, to have the owner's wife come out about it also yesterday, and then the, 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 the when he said about, he apologized to everybody that he triggered, like, what? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, Deshaun Watson, and it, just, and it just takes away from a sport that's trying to, like, you know, I don't feel bad for the NFL in a way because – you know, the play they strengthen their players union, the players union fight back and continue the suspension. So they meet halfway in the middle, which was the eleven games. But my thing is for the NFL, it's like I don't know how hard of a hammer how hard of a hammer they're supposed to swing. Like if they see like the 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 commissioner's exemplist was created and he spent a year on there. Yeah, he got paid. Um but at the same time he missed the whole year of football. That's a lot of time, a year of football, you know? Right. So I just, I just hate that the NFL's kind of way system it goes. It takes too long to actually ever get, I guess, the correct. I don't even think that you know because the justice isn't for me. That's another thing I want to say. The justice isn't for the media. All right, the justice isn't for the media or or fans. The justice is for the twenty four women. You know, whatever they 
see fit and however that's where the justice justice should lie like so whatever games that the nfl decide it can't affect mine or your ju justice is like oh our justice is like no it's just like the we weren't affected now morale no 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 morally we can say like okay i won't watch this a-hole play football but for the most part let's get perspective let's focus on the actual people who need justice and those are the 24 uh, victims that came out against Deshaun Watson. So ultimately, I just think that he should apologize to those victims. And NFL, they got to do something where they got to get with these victims and find a happy medium. Because I don't know, I don't know what 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 what, what can be the ultimately to solve this. Judge Sue L. Robinson did a thorough cross examination of this whole thing. She and she interviewed, I believe, all the the uh, victims of this case and he she did find conclusive evidence where it does warrant a one-year suspension for Deshaun Watson but according to the NFL bylaws and the CB and the uh, collective bargaining agreement there she said I, I'm not trying to put words in her mouth but she did say that those bylaws and the CBA would kind of prevent that from happening mm -hmm. but then the nfl wanted to reappeal and it was 11 and a five million dollar suspension yeah you know she, the fact the findings that they found i've read the reports it's some pretty disgusting stuff like you say you know man i'm not even gonna get into it all i just say is that read for yourself read up on deshaun watson know that this person made some terrible mistakes and I would just say, like, like the only thing that really offended me was just how he comes off, and I think that this is where whoever his agent is, who is the literally his agent is literally the most powerful agent in all of football. David Mugaletto, yes, David Mugaletto. He's literally the most powerful agent in all of football. How is your most your cash cow? How was he not coached up for these questions? Like, I just don't. I like. I don't understand. Like, and this is letting me know that he really is in a. I don't know. This is one of the few times I feel like I, he's one of the few athletes where he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. And I don't think he gets it even when even with the, the contrition he showed. Like, I guess, I don't know if that was a contrition scale. I guess I could tell that that wasn't pretty contrite. Right. I, I, I thoroughly agree with you on that one. Now, for the football side of it, with the 11 games, assuming that they are 500, and if he comes back as the player, not as a human being, but as the player, where do you, if say they're five hundred, do you think the Browns could potentially make some noise? Yeah, because they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, that unit is going to keep them in games. Miles Garrett is always going to be year in and year out. He's a defensive player of the year. Denzel Ward is an up and coming corner. Uh, you know. It just they have the recipe that even without him, they got Jacoby Brissett and a great running game. You know, pretty much a recipe for what you would want if you had a team that had a great defense and you were not a good quarterback or you were not a great uh, franchise, you would want just to have a quarterback that can hand it off and not mess up the game. So, being that they made the, the correct steps, I actually do this thing. This team is competitive, and I think I don't know if they're going to win the North though. The North is probably most the one of my more tricky divisions. I got to say, the North and the AFC and the AFC West, I think, are the two toughest divisions. I yeah, and, because, but yeah. I, I still got faith in Joe Burr. But the North is tough. It, it will be tough.
Now I want to move on to the NFC for your Dallas Cowgirl. I mean, sorry, boy. <laughs> sorry. I'll edit that out. So the Dallas Cowboys, and I and I just want to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys because, like, as your as your lifelong Dallas Cowboys, I, I I keep hearing in the news that Dak Prescott's looking great. He was in Miami. And I keep hearing all these noise every year. We go through the same thing every year. And yet, they underperform. Two years ago, they didn't even make the playoffs in the worst division in the history of the NFL. And last year, they were great against bad teams, but, man, they got exposed against the 49ers. What are your – do you actually – be honest. Like, try to not be biased and – with your cowboy delusions and whatnot, but do you actually think, see, think this Cowboys team is like is gonna do something with Dak? Is like all I hear is, oh, he's ready this offseason. he's healthy and sees like be honest, like be honest. All right, let me break down the, the Dak scale. So the Dak scale for the last two years, he hadn't performed in OTAs, and as a fan of football, I know that OTAs for a new system, and it, he had never performed in the Mike McCarthy system. So he had got injured, and he had the contract dispute. He missed all the OTAs last year. He came in pretty much at the beginning of the preseason, uh, took a few snaps, and then pretty much went out there and had a season. After the game versus the New England Patriots, he was injured. You can go look it up. He was, he injured his calf. He was not the same because Cooper rushed out the very next week versus the Minnesota Vikings. Dak Prescott came back. If you look at the numbers, he was never the same again. I'm not saying this team is going to win the Super Bowl. But they should make it. And here's the reason why. Oh, because, and here's the reason why. Because I don't, because as you can see, I believe the gap between, <sighs> the gap is marginal between every every team in the NFC. I believe the gap is about less than a finger apart between them. Because the Niners came in, they, they beat us, what, 19, the score was like, 1913. It was a lot closer than the score. Yeah, yeah. 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 1913. The Niners beat in 1913, went on the Green Bay, beat the and helped the Packers too. I don't think the Packers scored a touchdown that game. And then they almost beat the Rams. So to say that, like, I mean, yeah, it's a if you rather pick the field or us, you would rather pick the field. But to say I can't be one of those four teams, I I I can't. The Niners took a step back, and so did the Packers. The only team that didn't take a step back was the was the Browns. Niners did Niners, Niners and Packers have taken a huge step back. I gave you the Niners and Packers did. Well, I think the Niners with Trey Lance, he could be great. I'm not saying he's going to be the next coming of Tom Brady or whatnot, taking over an established starting quarterback spot. But I do think that project is interesting. The the Packers, I'll give I give you that. I, I have I'm gonna save my anger thoughts on Aaron Rodgers for another time. But the Vikings I see being pretty good with the moves they made. And the the NFC East, I gotta tell you, man, I don't 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 kill a messenger, but I do think that that the Philadelphia Eagles are pretty something pretty special from the moves they've heard. I I don't even know if you'll get out of your division. From the moves that we from I've seen the only, the only the one move that the Eagles have not fixed and I don't buy it and I'm gonna go on the limb right now is Jalen Hurts. I don't buy the Jalen Hurts stock at all. Look, or, I, or Minshew the backup. I don't buy the Minshew hype either. Minshew, Minshew mania that last 
Minshew Mania is a legend. Don't disrespect Gardner Minshew. <laughs> so between Hurts and Minshew, maybe they can make one decent quarterback? You're – Jalen Hurts, by the way, is highly regarded in fantasy by the mock drafts I've read. Yes, because he's going to get you at least 500 yards rushing on the ground and a bunch of Ray. But, I mean, look, I'm not the biggest Hurts fan either, but because he has his friend A.J. Brown and their defense they have, that's that was kind of a top 10-ish defense last year, and they have a good running game with Sanders, and they just drafted Gainwell, and they have Dallas Goddard. I Devontae Smith. I'm telling you, this NFC the NFC East is a two team race between mm-hmm. you and and the Eagles. I love it. I love it. You know what? And the Eagles have always been a pain in our ass. If if Jalen Smith can perform, then yeah, I would give him that. But you I mean, don't. You said Jalen Smith. I mean Jalen Smith. Uh, uh Jalen Hurts. <laughs> uh, Jalen Smith, not the Indiana Pacers for it. Uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. If he can perform. That's my thing, because I don't know. But the whole thing is, I don't know if he can. But I'm picking the Cowboys to win the East. It's going to be a tough year, but I'm picking the Cowboys to win the East. Put your money on it. Okay, I, I I'll take the the field, but that's a whole other to- topic for another discussion. But 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 I, I do think I I do want I do root for a guy like Dak Prescott. But I the Zeke Elliott I I gotta tell you that is. The James Hart that is like a Russell Westbrook type deal in the NFL. I mean, in the, he's yeah. in the, he's in the last year of it though. He's in this is the last year. Yeah, and you sent me an a, a short like twenty second Instagram <laughs> workout video of Ezekiel Elliott working out. <laughs> I did because I'm always like, oh yeah, no, we know what his thing. He's saying this all honestly. He's not the best back. He he uh, his thing running backs in the NFL don't last long nowadays. You don't find running backs that are gonna last more than four years. He's at the tail end of it. He's gonna sign with you know somebody else for a one-year deal. Look at Todd Gurley. He was in the Super Bowl a few years ago and now he's completely out the league. Running backs flame out. He's not even the best running back on this team anymore. And this is why I think that once once people see how good Tony Pollard is, people are gonna understand. That's the next name that people need to view. Tony Pollard, he should have at least 10 touchdowns this year, I think. Interesting. Interesting. I want to talk about something like the entertainment side of the NFL with the, the hard knocks and with the, 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 the Detroit Lions. I don't know. Have you seen the first two episodes of it? Yes, I have. Hard Knocks has always been one of my favorite shows. I think this is one of the best. This, this season is making Hard Knocks, you know, it's revitalizing it again, if you ask me. Right. Yeah, what was your biggest takeaways from the uh sh- from the from the show so far? Morris probably just Dan Campbell, you know, like he I always knew he was a player's coach and he was just a the definition of a player's coach because he's always rah-rah, you know, motivational. But the way he commands that team and has that locker room, and I can't think of the running back's name, Jamal Williams, I think his Jamal name Williams. was that speech was yeah. Great. yeah, Jamal Williams. This to see guys care means a lot to me. Like, well, I always wonder how do guys feel when you go when you're ass? Like, does it matter? Like, like you know, does like do you, when you're gonna chat, like, do you really or like have you accepted fate? Because when you look at the landscape, you know, okay, well, we're not gonna get many wins this year. Or do you, you know, I mean, most people, but it's good to see just that side of passion from somebody to say, you know, look at look at look at your look at the record. Like, let's let's 
let's do something about it. Let's change the narrative around here. And that just fired me up. It just, I don't know, man. Like that gave me the goosebumps just thinking about it. Um, what did you think of uh, Aiden Hutchinson with the <laughs> Billy Jean song? Aiden Hutchinson, that was hilarious. I think that was, that's probably one of the better ones, probably since I can't think. I'm always like the little the rookie, uh, the rookie singing. Uh, the, I forgot who did it last year. I can't. Uh, I can't think of last year. that sing for the Cowboys last year. Who was it? No, I was asking you. You said there was someone that sang. For- oh, oh uh, yeah, I think I think it was uh, Micah Park. I don't know. I think it wasn't. Well, it was Micah, but it was another rookie as well because the Hard Knock was Cat Dallas last year. So it was Micah. Micah did a good one, but this one was better. And I, honestly, I was more excited to see the Cowboys facilities than the actual behind the scenes because Cowboys are pretty bland. But I think the, the Lions actually, this is one of the better Hard Knock seasons we got. Uh, what do you think of uh, Amon St. Brown's dad calling out Kevin Durant? <laughs> hey, he's a Mr. Olympia, though. He's yeah, a Mr. he has the right. To, he has the clout to do that. He's he's credential. So anything he says, like I buy stock. I mean that Kevin Durant catching the stray for no reason about doing calf raises. <laughs> it was just the top of the episode, but that dude is built though. Like I can't even like. Like, like, like Kevin Durant can't say much. Like, this dude in the 80s was literally a Mr. Olympia. So, it's like, it's probably, it's insane. Yeah, that is insane. <laughs> it definitely is. Uh, Jarrell Wilkerson, thank you so much for for coming back on to the Off the Dome podcast. Uh, it was a pleasure, man. Great, uh, great having you. Thank you, man. Once again, we definitely go. You know, we we got plenty plenty of work to do in the future coming up, especially when the season gets started. Oh, absolutely. And next time I bring you on, we will go through some fantasy stuff. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for listening to another edition of the Off the Dome podcast. Uh, you could, um, for more episodes, you can listen to it on Spotify and Apple and Google Podcasts. And if you and uh, if you use the discount code Dome Twenty on Brain Fuel. Uh, website you get 20% off each order thank you very much and have a great day go get them